Like John mentioned, we are going to be starting a sermon series on the spiritual disciplines. Um, and I am very excited for this. I think this is a really neat topic um, and something that's just very important for the life of any Christian who wants to follow Jesus. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing this for the next couple months. Uh, this week's just going to be kind of an intro week just to talk about what the spiritual disciplines are, why we would want to pursue this, um, why it's important for us. Um, and, and hopefully I'll just cast a vision and a passion for us about this series and what we'll be talking about. And then throughout the next several weeks, we'll be talking about different disciplines each, each week and kind of focusing in on them, talking about why each of those disciplines are important, why we would practice those. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really great. I'm very excited for it. If you're not excited for it yet, oh man, Jam. All right, Jam, you don't have to listen to me talk all day. You guys can, are dismissed. I think y'all are inside the building today. No, maybe. Yes, inside the building. So you can follow Miss Bailey. Have fun. That's why they don't pay me yet. I still don't dismiss Jam, right? <laughs> but yeah, if you're not uh, stoked about it yet, I hope by the end of this sermon that you'll be stoked about this idea of spiritual disciplines. So yeah, let's just start off with what are the spiritual disciplines? Who was asking that question as I started talking? Anybody want to admit it? Okay, well, I'll tell it even if you all already know. But this, the spiritual disciplines are essentially spiritual pr practices and habits for disciples of Christ. Um, and just to give you some examples of some disciplines, this comes from Richard Foster. He wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. So his list would be prayer, meditation, fasting, study, simplicity, submission, solitude, service, confession, guidance, celebration, and worship. And none of these are like an extensive list of these are all the disciplines for Christians. You can think of plenty of other things, but that's kind of a good overview. And, and in that, you hear some active things like service. Um, study, some things that you're doing, and then you hear some things that sound maybe not passive, but just they're kind of removing, like solitude, simplicity. So the disciplines both involve cutting things out of our lives and disciplining ourselves by removing the junk and the excess and all this fat, uh, and then adding in these practices like study, worship, service. Um, so yeah, kind of this whole spectrum of things for Christians to practice. So that's kind of a, a very brief overview of what the disciplines are. So next, why do we preach about or pursue these disciplines? Why are they important? So let me start off with why we don't uh, pursue these. But first off, we don't pursue these disciplines to gain spiritual accolades or to impress God or people. Remember from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
So as you think about this, it's not some way to look showy for people or even for God. God's not going to be impressed by all these righteous things we do. We're not going to be saved by that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not a way of gaining spiritual points. Let's make sure we remember that as we pursue spiritual disciplines. It's also not a way to achieve mental health and inner peace. This is something that many other religions and counselors can offer you. There's a lot of ways to achieve that. Um, and although the spiritual disciplines certainly can bring about mental health and inner peace, that's not the reason for pursuing them. Christianity isn't just a self-help religion. If you're thinking, oh, I want to get better. I want to feel better. Um, I don't want to be so mentally unwell. Um, that's, that shouldn't be our primary reason for following Christ or for pursuing these disciplines. And again, this is absolutely an effect that I think will come about for many of us as we pursue these disciplines. So why do we pursue the spiritual disciplines? I'm going to read a familiar passage to answer the question. I feel like I've read this in more than half of my sermons. But as I read Paul's words, don't zone out just because you've heard these words 50 times before. Close your eyes if you need, but imagine that this is you speaking these words instead of Paul. And could these words that Paul says be spoken honestly by you to declare your purpose in life? Or does this sound completely foreign to the way that you operate? So this is Philippians 3, 7 to 14. Again, put yourself in the shoes and and see if you could say this. Whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining on towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what is our goal? Our ultimate goal is to know Christ. Intimacy with God is both the goal and the prize. So if we've established that our goal in life is to know Christ, to experience this intimacy with him, the question remains, why do we pursue the disciplines? Why can't we just simply pray, God, make me like Jesus. Make me more patient. Make me more wise, more humble. Give me that really nice beard and long flowing hair. I've been praying for the beard. John's been praying for the hair. <laughs> so you can definitely pray and ask God for that, and you definitely should pray and ask God for that. So I'm not saying don't. But asking for Christ-likeness 
is not the only means nor the primary means that God gave us to become like Christ. Listen to Paul's verbiage in that passage. We know Christ experientially by becoming like him, participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We have to do what Jesus did, and then experientially and personally we'll, become to, we'll begin to know him more. Dallas Willard puts it this way in his book. This book's called The Spirit of the Disciplines. Very good book. He says, Full participation in the life of God's kingdom and in the vivid companionship of Christ comes to us only through appropriate exercise in the disciplines for life in the Spirit. So this full participation in this abundant life comes through this appropriate exercise of these disciplines in the life for the Spirit. Another book that I really love about the disciplines is by Chuck Swindle called So You Want to Be Like Christ. He says, so why exercise spiritual disciplines? To know Jesus Christ. They are simply a means by which you come to know him experientially. By imitating him, by sharing his experiences, by living life as he lived it, allowing the Holy Spirit to shape you by the disciplines from the inside out, you will become more like him. So I'll ask each of us, what is your reason for being a disciple? Is it anything other than to know Christ and to become like him? Rick Watts often says, or at least he said it once and it stuck with me. He says, it's time, if, if you believe this way or if you think this way, then it's time to become a Christian. And so I say that to us. If your purpose for knowing Christ, for being a Christian is anything other than, uh, anything other than to know Christ and become like him, it's time to become a Christian. And I don't say that in condemnation, but to say that if you're missing out on that, you're missing out on this good news that you can actually be like Christ and you can actually know Jesus. Not just simply feel better, get emotionally healthy, uh, impress some people, have a community of people around you, but you can know our Lord Jesus Christ and be like him. Isn't that good news? Do you want that? And if so, how badly do you want that? For me, I do want to know Christ. I want to be like him. I definitely want it enough to pray and ask God for it. But I often just don't seem to want it bad enough to put in the training required to actually achieve that. Who resonates with me on that one? Anyone? Who here has ever actually wanted to get healthy or get in shape? Anyone want to admit to that? Probably everyone here. And I think we're all well aware at this point that you can't just wish yourself into getting in shape. A mild desire to get in shape isn't going to get you anywhere. And at this point in many of our lives, we're probably even well aware that a moderate or strong desire to get in shape doesn't do a whole lot sometimes either. It's hard. You can start a diet and eating some salads might actually be kind of nice for a day. But then by the end of that day, it just sucks and all you want is a number one combo at Whataburger. Whoa. Mayo instead of mustard and grilled onions with that, by the way. So to maintain a diet, to lose weight, to get in shape, it takes consistent, committed, and hard work. Do we all agree on that? I think so. I started doing CrossFit six years ago. I had told John that I was like running every morning trying to get in shape. He's like, well, why don't you come to CrossFit with me? It'll be fun. 
And uh, I did it. He told me I wasn't going to need to shower afterwards, but I definitely did. I was a sweaty mess. Um, and somehow I'm still kind of doing it after six years. I say kind of because I haven't been very committed recently. But it's, it's incredible how long I've had to train to be able to just do some of these simple movements like a pull-up or a double-under with the jump rope. And I'm still awful at the snatches after six years, which is the worst movement ever, and I wouldn't advise doing it. Or one of my favorite hobbies is disc golf. I love going out and playing. But if I want to get better, it takes consistent, committed effort. I have this uh, putting basket in my backyard that my brother Jake and my mom bought for me. And I've been putting most days for the past year, and I still am awful at putting. It takes a lot of work, a lot of frustration to get good at putting. And I think you all understand that with the different hobbies or skills that you pursue, that it takes consistent, committed effort. But let's make sure that we apply the same understanding about how everything works in the real material world to our understanding of the spiritual world, which really isn't that different from our material world in as many ways as we think. If we want something, we have to work hard for it. Listen to how Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Hear that, both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Paul says, train yourself to be godly. The word in the Greek that he uses is gymnazo. I don't know if I said that right. But what does it sound like? Gymnasium. John got it. He's the scholar. Listen to some other translations of that sentence in other, in other uh, translations of Scripture. Keep yourself in training for a godly life. Exercise yourself toward godliness. I like this one best. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. That's the message, if you couldn't guess. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Chuck Swindle, in his book, says he prefers to translate using the phrase, condition yourself. That's a great phrase. In conditioning, the key thing is what? Repetitions. Or if you're a gym bro, you say reps. Conditioning is the process, this is the dictionary definition, I didn't make this up, the process of training or accustom, accustoming a person or animal to behave in a certain way or to accept certain circumstances. So if you want to be a certain way, you can't just expect to suddenly act like that on the spot. We can't just watch great athletes and say, oh, I want to be like them and then go out on the field and suddenly perform like them, right? That's pretty obvious. 
And in the same way, we can't look at Jesus, the greatest human being who ever lived, and say, I want to be like him, and then just suddenly go perform like him out on the field. Imagine you commit yourself and say, I want to be like Jesus, and you read scripture and you observe how he acts with other people, how he acts with patience and calm in the face of adversity. And then you go to work and you encounter an extremely stressful day filled with rude coworkers, rude clients. How long are you going to be able to keep up acting like Jesus? For many of you, this is probably starting to sound like I'm describing real life on most days. And we know how this ends. Despite all our best intentions to be like Christ, we can't perform out on the field because we haven't put in the reps. We haven't invested in these spiritual disciplines to train ourselves rigorously to be like Christ. As Christians, we should train off the field. Uh, In the scripture, it says, be prepared in season and out of season. So that when game time comes, when we're put under pressure and faced with tough decisions, our automatic response will be to act like Christ. For the disciplined Christian, acting like Christ won't always be very hard, and it often won't be a conscious decision. They'll simply act like Christ in a given situation because they are like Christ. They've put in the reps, and they've come to know him experientially through prayer and scripture and service and sacrifice and simplicity and all these other disciplines. So that reacting as Jesus reacted is a given because his character has infused every part of their life. I want that so badly for myself. And I want that for our whole church. I think there's some great examples in our church of people who are like this. I think of uh, Leslie Rowe, who just embodies like just this sweet spirit of God and just the way that she prays and encourages people. Um, I think of JVR and how encouraging he is, and it just seems so automatic or natural to him. Which, you know, these people might not say that it's so automatic or natural all the time. I think of Ronnie and how he just spouts scripture out just as he speaks. It just comes out of his mouth. Chris Rowleader and the way he serves our church and all the other guys that serve. For them, these things are often just automatic. It's who they are. Um, they've, they've disciplined themselves. They've become this way as they sought to follow Christ. But we have to resolve to live as Jesus did in all aspects of his life. We have to observe our Lord closely and take care to live as he did in every single area of his life, not just when he was on the spot. For example, notice in his off time what he did. Mark 135, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Don't you think that was essential for living out the ministry that he did on the day-to-day? You can't just do that when you're not spending this time um, practicing these disciplines and building these up. And we know that Jesus came to save sinners. That's what scripture tells us. And not just for the life to come, but to save us here and now. Not just to rescue us from this eternal hell in the future, but to rescue us from the hell that we live in here as we wrestle with our flesh and our fallen nature. He came to redeem us from that and to work those things out in us. 
And the disciplines are the ways that we can shape ourselves to become like Christ and to be saved um, from those uh, tendencies that we have. Listen to, to Titus 2. This is perhaps my favorite passage in all of Scripture. Verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So I ask you, do you believe that Jesus has the power to save you right now? Dallas Willard says, salvation is not just forgiveness, but a new order of life. I want to finish with one last encouragement about these disciplines. We think about discipline and training and we think, oh, that's hard. It's going to be a beat down. It'll be tough or sad or excruciating, etc." And all those things are very true. When I think about working out, it's very scary. When I started doing CrossFit, I would actually lose sleep on the nights before I knew I was going to work out in the morning because I was so stressed out about it. The CrossFit workouts can be some of the hardest things I've ever done. But the hardness of those workouts is far overshadowed by the ease of life and the goodness that it produces. Working out obviously has the results of making me stronger and fitter, but it also helps me mentally. It makes life as a whole easier. I'm sure it does a lot to, to make my quality of life better, to prevent diseases that I might encounter later in life. I wouldn't do CrossFit if it was just pain and hardship. Some people might, but I definitely wouldn't. It's hardship that brings about ease in the future and fullness of life. And same with the disciplines, but far more so. These disciplines increase our capacity to live the full and abundant life that God has in store for us. We aren't capable of experiencing that full abundance in our ugly, carnal, fleshy state. The disciplines are hard work. They won't be fun most of the time. But when we see what God can produce in us through those disciplines, we'll see that it was all so worth it in the life to come, but also here and now. And again, I desperately want that for me, and I desperately want that for all of our church. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you that you came to save us. We thank you for Jesus' sacrifice for us and just how precious that is to us. We thank you that you can redeem the broken parts of our personalities, of who we are, and that we can truly become like you. We know we can't do that on our own. We need your spirit to help us. Um, so we ask that you would help us to be disciplined, that you would help us as we pursue these in our own lives um, and be honored by that. In Jesus' name, amen.